This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And it just so happens, Jay, we have a member of our union joining us for this episode. He's been here before three times, actually. This will be number four. This is where you get the uh, the uh, nice sports coat with the emblem. <laughs> it's on your fourth <laughs> visit. And then on the fifth visit, you get the pink Cadillac. 1979 hey. Coupe de Ville <laughs> with a white interior. Welcome back, Mr. Josh. How are you? Um, doing pretty good. I've just uh, managed to survive 2020 and I'm hanging in there <laughs> now. So, yeah, it's... Uh, not been the easiest year for me, of course. feel like that's the case for a lot of people, but I'm still here and I'm still uh, finding weird shit to throw at y'all. And <laughs> this one today, I have outdone myself. I'm just going to say that right now. I think, well, let's look back. Let's take a, let's go down memory lane. So 2018, The Process by Skinny Puppy. Yes. We were like, okay, this is kind of, this is unique. We like this. There's some interesting stuff going on here. Uh, 2019, Oceanborn by Nightwish. Totally took us in a direction we had not been in before with um, the symphonic metal and, and, and very new and interesting to us. And then last year, Abhead by Knights or Ab. Yep. 2020. So this year... I was thinking you were going to go in a similar direction. Um, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but you mentioned 2020. <laughs> I think this album is the perfect album to yeah. sum up 2020. I think you have actually captured the entire the the entirety of 2020 in a single <laughs> album. So, would you like to share with the audience? The album that you picked and why you picked it. The album I picked is from a Japanese group called the Garogeri Gegege. And the title of the album is Tokyo Anal Dynamite. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Garogeri Gegege, it's like a Japanese onomatopoeia that basically means it's supposed to be the sound of puking and shitting at the same time. They actually called themselves the Ultra Shit Band, I believe. And that's very, very much accurate to what we're getting here. I picked this one specifically because I wanted to melt your guys' brains as much as fucking possible. <laughs> as if we needed more melting into this year. Let's... Uh, Jay, were you familiar with uh, this <laughs> band? Uh, did you come across them? Yeah, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We we've talked. You know, we've talked about this band many times. Well, what's interesting is that you know one of the comparisons to this band is I believe it's their name Mersbo. Yes. Is that right, Jay? Now I've heard yeah. of that band, 
Uh, it's been a band that's that's popped in and out of uh, because of the noise rock con- connections mm-hmm. to U.S. noise rock bands. So I was like, oh, okay, they're compared to that. Oh, I think I've sampled that band. Maybe I'll I'll be familiar with what this record. Oh, no. So uh, let's give a little info on it. So essentially, this band is um, Wantaro. Um. Yamana Yamanuchi. Uh yeah, Jintaro Yamanuchi. There that's how you say it. That's but right. Yeah. Jintaro. <laughs> Jintaro. Um, yes. And um so he's been an artist since 1985 doing experimental music uh in Japan and um since 1985, I mean up until last year about 20 albums uh just as many or more singles and eps some of it is very art uh it's it's not necessarily music based it's more um conceptual art based in terms of there i think there was one where it was just um the sound of uh that was recorded like he put 100 cassettes in a box and it was called art is over yes no that was the octopus tentacle housed in the cassette box the you are the noisemaker which was a hundred blank cassettes in a large metal box that's argentaro i was i was going i was going to get to the uh the octopus tentacle story but you already took care of that okay <laughs> um so you know per- performance artist whatever you want to call it in terms of um uh experimental there's, there's some uh field recordings uh grindcore um hardcore punk and noise punk rock all that sort of mixed in with the with the the noise uh experimental music um that we'll be talking about and um you know has been at it for for that long which is i think in terms of longevity it seems like the japanese underground um has been much more kind i think of like you know maybe an american artist that would be doing something similar and i they don't seem to last as long um for whatever reason in terms of doing underground experimental music it seemed to burn out or um fade away um but i don't have a lot of experience to be honest with with that particular group of uh of musicians so I can't speak too much on it. So how did you discover this band, Josh? Um, through the internet. Um, that in seems particular, appropriate. Yeah. I, uh, I, cause I hang around, I hang, I hang on, a, I hang around on a rate your music and there's a pretty very vocal noise rock community around there. And there is another podcast done by some folks from there that I really like. And, you know, they brought up the Gary, Gary, Gay, Gay, Gay. And that's kind of what got me interested because I, I tend to share a lot of their other tastes in music. So I figure I'll give this a shot. And yeah, it's uh, definitely not for everyone to say the very least, but I genuinely actually enjoy this in a non meme sense. And I'll probably get into why as we get into the album, but yeah. Okay. When, when did you discover it? This was uh, really just like a couple years ago. Okay. And uh, some info on the album. It's 75 tracks. Yes. And 
each one you can kind of tell when they start because there's a one, two, three, four. Yeah. Um, now some of them are uh, covers. Uh, there's a cover of I'm Not in Love by 10CC. Yep. There's a cover of Sheena's a Punk Rocker by the Ramones. Yep. Um, what were some of the other ones? Uh, the, well, the one, the big one, the one that's kind of like the best known one online these days and like the meme sense was the Boys Don't Cry cover. That's right. The like, that's the Boys main Don't thing Cry. people know them for, of anything, I find. Uh, Sa- Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Yes. Um, and and other artists that I'm not familiar with, or were, or I guess there would be original recordings because I'm mm-hmm. I'm reading them and they're in Japanese, so I don't know who they're right. associated to. Right. Um, we did put this up uh, for a vote at uh, Patreon, and we got some comments on this episode. We'll get to the vote later, but uh, some of the comments we got. Let's get to them. Oh boy. <laughs> Paul Richardson said, I think this broke my speakers. <laughs> uh, Darren Leach said, I believe these are love songs. And Willie Dillon said, I got that vibe as well. Uh, Richard Waterman, I like to try new things, but I have to draw the line at this. Um, <laughs> Kyle Bittner said, I tried to get into Japanese experimental noise rock at one point via Merzbo. It lasted all of one album before I called it quits. I'm not sure how someone can get any pleasure from listening to this type of music, and I can't think of any mood that this would fit. Maybe your review will shed some light on this. Okay, so he's looking for some light to be shed. Scott, never heard of them, but looking at the comments, I'm guessing this is my kind of music. But that cover, (laughs) sigh. Eric Peterson Uh, Very diplomatically said, I don't feel I can really give a rating on this as it's not my thing. I like some noise rock, but this in no way connects with me. I hope that you have someone on who is into this kind of music to speak on their uh, place in that scene and the attraction of this band style. I think that's I just want to point out, I think that's a nice thing to say, Eric, um, when you you say, you know, I can't really give you a rating on this because I'm just not into it. Like, so it would be it would be pointless to even try to rate it because if it's just not your thing, it's not your thing. I mean, it's like me and seaweed. It's just not my thing. I keep trying to listen to seaweed and it doesn't work. I also tried to eat seaweed and I don't like to eat seaweed. So just in general, I don't like seaweed in any manner. Uh, Willie Dillon said, this is the best album I have heard today. It is also the only album I have heard today. (laughs) We got some comedians um, in the comments. Keith Badge, I hit the link because the internal 14-year-old in me must listen to something something called Tokyo Anal Dynamite. I had to turn the speakers on my phone down to one, and I still found it too abrasive. But I did hit on a couple of other linked videos by them, and those were strange, but listenable? Question mark. Kind of more jazz and dance-influenced. I didn't hate what I listened to of Ultra Hotel Ultra and Endless Humiliation. Yes. Anyway... Looking forward to Tim mangling their name. Should be an interesting episode. You'll notice Tim is uh, artfully Dodge pronouncing the name of the band <laughs> this entire episode. And the Garo Gary, the Garo Gary, the Garo Gary, gay, gay, gay. You did. I, I did there it. There you go. You See, did it, man. I did. I, I actually, I worked with an interpreter uh, to help me 
tra- do the translation and and understand you know no i just listened to what josh said at the beginning <laughs> waited for it that's why i had him introduce it um gavin said as a big fan of noise rock this just isn't i'm interested to know who got the furthest through this i did 541 uh, Richard Waterman, will Tim be as harsh on this as the famous clutch incident of February 2021? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that was the, the bar has been set this year. I've been struggling this year between clutch and I had some difficulty with the Primus record. So, um, yeah, it's been a. It's been a different, difficult year. Um, and then Gary Moran said, haven't heard a note. But I'm saying we're the album based on the name alone. All right. Well, that's a it's like that is literally judging a book by its cover. Uh, so bold move, Cotton. That's it's bold. <laughs> it's a bold move, Cotton. Indeed. Um, so let's get in. I really need to start with you, Josh, because you have an enthusiasm enthusiasm for this record that um I think it's going to be difficult for Jay and I to match. Uh, so tell us what works for you uh, for Tokyo Anal Dynamite. Yeah. So part of why I wanted to pick this too is I wanted something that completely defies your usual method of evaluating an album because there are, they're just, it's really tough to make out distinct tracks, honestly. It's just more a singular experience, at least for me. And it's definitely not something I'm not in the mood to put on extremely often, but there are times when it hits for me. So for me, I guess we should we get into, um, since people were asking, you know, why someone would enjoy, enjoy this kind of music. So for me, I mean, I'd been through a lot of, you know, a lot of metal, a lot of hardcore punk and such I listened to before this. And when you listen to enough of that, there is a through line to this in a sense. Um, it is basically the logical end point of punk, of all the, of the ideals of the punk movement, of music not being about being able to sing or play your instruments. This is just the extreme conclusion of that and Juntaro himself started out very heavily punk influenced um you mentioned the one two three four he does at the beginning of every song he took that straight from the Ramones um and he also did more hardcore punk stuff himself like one of his earlier albums before this was actually a surprisingly straightforward punk record uh sexual behavior in the human male that one might be more some people's speed but anyway that's the influ- that's where the influence lies with this group, um, also combined with a bit of a butthole surfers esque uh, stage show in some ways. Um, oh yeah, we haven't even gotten into that yet. Yeah, that but, he, who is his companion on stage? So let me. So Jintaro, a lot of his. So another big influence on Jintaro is that he was openly gay, and some of his music revolves around that as you may guess if you listen to Hotel Ultra, to mention the reader earlier who brought that up. But um, his companion went by the stage name of Garrow 30. And he, I believe, was his like a real life uh, romantic partner 
of Jotaro's. And he would go on stage. He didn't even do anything musically, but he was considered part of the band because he would go on stage in their shows and he would do stuff like basically, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, uh, he would like jerk himself off with a vacuum cleaner, for instance. Yeah. That's what I meant by uh, the, <laughs> the the stage show there. So, yeah, there was, uh, so yeah, the, even this, so this album is actually a live album, which is also part of why I chose this one. Um, so it is a live, it's from a, a show in 1987, actually, but the album was released in 1990, which is why I figured this fits with your podcast. But yeah, for so for me, it's that I genuinely love, I just, See, when people say abrasive, to me, that's a positive. It's, it's it's like, I like Big Black in its harshest moments is not entirely dissimilar to this to me. So that's what I mean by, by saying that, you know, there's a through line from a lot of the other stuff I listen to, to this. It's just this is entirely those moments for 30 plus minutes. And there are times when I when I do want do want to hear that for thirty minutes. So, just a basic to start with. Uh, that's my feelings on the album and why I enjoy this stuff. Jay, uh, I love your point about it's the logical con- like the most extreme logical conclusion of punk rock. I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of brilliant in a way (laughs) as a piece of art like okay let's take punk rock as seriously as we possibly can and this is what it what it basically is um and if you're not then you're you know what i mean then you're brawn in in some sort of shade of gray so as a statement you know and that for that point i think that's that's pretty brilliant (laughs) the only other way i could interpret it uh was more like this is like primal therapy of some kind, <laughs> like just guttural release of emotion. Um, I watched some video. I don't know. understand what I was watching exactly, but I think it was one or one of the guys in the band, but they were basically like screaming, like in the, in the song, but like, it was like sweat. It was like sitting and like sweat was pouring out of his head as was doing it was just like this complete almost like a um you know uh the hottest sauna possible or swimming in the arctic or something like just completely insane physical manifestation of emotion uh so that was the only other way i could interpret what i was hearing um i i, I started to try to figure out like just from a more of a uh, curiosity like how in the world are they making this cacophony uh obviously you can hear some drums and some feedback but you don't really ever hear like a guitar (laughs) it's just kind of like this i don't even know so i was like how like i don't know how you make instruments sound like this um i get these the screaming part i get the drum part but like all the stuff that's happening in between it's indiscernible of like is that a vacuum cleaner or is it a guitar through a megaphone? Like what in the world could make this sound? So that was the other part that I was uh, curious trying to pull apart. Like what exactly am I listening to um, from just a craft standpoint? Um, And I like the nice fade out at the end. 
<laughs> which I thought was roll. hilarious because it was like there's like this kind of um you know it starts with uh just the sound of like a, a room and people like shuffling around and whatever and you hear some feedback and then they launch into the first one two three four and they just keep doing that through the whole 30 minutes and then at the end they take the time to actually like fade it out <laughs> which i thought was hilarious instead of just like ending it um it's like oh how very 70s of them how about you tim well you know it's weird when i listened to this and then i thought back to our last couple of episodes you've got we did neil young in the 90s and i started connecting that to his release arc which is 35 minutes of him capturing the beginning and ending of noise at songs of songs that he did on the weld tour so it's just the feedback at the end of every song and then the, and the drums doing their roles and stuff like that. And, and just it's just this cacophony of noise. And then I thought about the Royal Trucks record we just did, which is not like this, but there's a track on there, which is just an entirely uh, a noise track and, and how that band evolved out of being basically a noise collage um, uh, experimental band. And the record that we listened to was really their first effort to write cohesive songs, whereas the first couple records were, were entirely um, noise based. And that we, we discussed Sonic Youth and, and I, I started connecting it to all these things that we had covered and were connected with regards to noise and in, in, in the underground and obviously famously, you know, heavy, heavy metal or heavy. Machine Music. What what is the title of that Lou Reed album? Is it Metal Machine Music? Metal Machine Music, which yeah. is just um, another one of those experimental noise records that people discuss. Um, and it got me thinking about how I can like how I listen to those. Like I listened to this. People were making comments about it, but I only got four minutes into it. I listened to this straight through uh, because I wanted to understand like what what it was in one listen. And um, I think the thing that was curious was obviously this aesthetic of of basically deconstructing punk rock down to its absolute bare minimum. Um and using that as as the template but then also i struggle with the fact that i couldn't make anything out so i couldn't make out like a note you know what i mean like i could hear a drum part That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> and so i struggled because i was like i was i was wondering where the, like where the line is between um where is it how do you define what music is is what i was struggling with uh, i figured we were gonna get there with this you know what i mean like that's yeah. that's where i and not only that but like what it, it it brought up a weird thing where it made me start thinking of Gigi allen mm-hmm. um sure who you know growing up in the 80s and the and in the 90s as a high school student and a college student Gigi allen was like on the peripheral of the music scene as this very transgressive character who 
was constantly in trouble with the law and but he was also then on like daytime talk shows because he was so he was so outside the norm that he became a celebrity in a sense because of the fact that he was he was willing to basically forego any any norms of society um but then i watched the the um the documentary hated which is actually Todd Phillips, the director of, um, of like the hangover. Yeah. That was his first movie. He was a, he was a student and he made a documentary about Todd, about Gigi Allen. And it's actually, it's very interesting because you, because you learn about sort of his philosophy as a performer, but then you also see like the abuse he suffered as a, both as a performer with the audience where the audience became, antagonistic and and was was driving him further and further into this um into these into this transgressive behavior but then you also learned about his his upbringing and his the abuse he suffered as a child and i i start to feel like is it should i feel guilty for enjoying this like I didn't enjoy him as a performer. I enjoyed the story that was told about him, but I also started to wonder, like, did anybody step in and try to say, Hey, maybe some of the things that you're, that are making you act out in a certain way could be addressed, um, by dealing with the fact that you grew up with a father who wanted to murder you, which is what Gigi Allen was dealing with. Like literally his father said, I want to kill my entire family and then commit suicide to his so, family. He said that. So instead of everybody around him, I, I didn't see the story, but like instead of everybody around him saying, Hey, how can we make money off of this? Somebody could have said, Hey, do you need some help? Right. Like nobody <laughs> said, do you need help? Yeah. Um, so when he was shitting on stage and throwing it at the audience and covering it with him, himself, nobody said, maybe this isn't behavior we should be encouraging. Maybe we should talk to him and ask him, why he's doing this. Um, so those were some of the things that I was like feeling when I was listening to this. I'm like, is this guy okay? Like, is, is this, is this Andy Warhol or is this Gigi Allen? Cause I, I'm not sure where, I'm, where my line is with regards to music that, or, or art or anything where it's coming out of a place of, extremely um uh or out of out of abuse and out of out of um tra- out of trauma that was what i was struggling with because i just i don't know the backstory but it it uh it was definitely something that occurred to me while i was listening to this like i can't imagine that somebody was happy doing this like maybe they were maybe this is like a primal scream type thing like you were saying jay but I got, I got like concerned when I was listening to this, like in a way that was like, I don't know, is this guy okay? Um, well, I think it's, um, it's, I would, I would say it's more art than music and in art, everybody interprets it differently. So right with good art, you bring in your own context, which I think you did like the context of whatever you had recently learned and sort of was seeing it through that lens. Well, and then there's the thing about how do you define what art is? And I know you, Josh, you were going to, you wanted to talk about that. Um, You know, 
that's what you know when you look at like a jackson pollock painting you go well all i did was dangle a brush over the paint thing and, and wiggle it around and he made art and you go well i could do that so what what defines it as art that is valued versus art that is not valued and i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know that we'll ever figure that out well, other than you know and i was seeing it more as um there's art and, and then there's music as an art form right um i guess for josh do you listen to this as music or as art or do you discern between the two um I don't know how much I really discern between the two, to be honest. Um, this actually, like I said, this just genuinely, I do listen to it as music, frankly. Like mm. I said, it's um, because of what I said before, how, you know, a lot of the other music I listen to has moments that are similar to this. And mm -hmm. so it's like, hey, I don't mind getting more of this every now and again. So that's kind of what it is for me that... I just, I actually enjoy like this core sound. As and weird I, as it may sound to say, that's kind of where, that's where I'm at with that. So I had the same experience as one of the comments too of, I could not turn, I mean, I had to listen to it at the lowest possible volume. Like I had like YouTube yep. on like half of one. Um, do you crank this? Like, can you take it like sonically loud um, or? Yeah, you know? I can actually. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was like down. I was like, oh my God, this is so loud. Josh is like the guys who eat chicken wings and they, they, <laughs> they move up to such a hot level that when yeah. they're at like a hundred thousand Scoville, they're like, hey, this, ain't, this is nothing. Funny thing. But, that's how I am with chicken wings too. <laughs> This is the uh, ghost pepper or the uh, Carolina Reaper of punk. It really is. <laughs> I never like, thought about it that way, but that's, <laughs> I think I'm going to steal that one now. Good job. It's all yours. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess from the, from a punk perspective, which punk is supposed to be, anybody can get up, play and express themselves. This is probably the purest expression of punk that you could that that is possible. I mean, maybe the drums are too competent. <laughs> There's um, a moment. Uh, I think it's about 25 minutes in, where he is playing faster than any drummer I've ever heard in my life. It's just, I mean, it's always fast. But then, if you can imagine, like as you're listening to this, just tell your remind yourself that he's going to actually play probably three times faster than what you're hearing at the beginning about 25 minutes into this record. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't um I don't remember when that. I mean, I'm sure it did happen. 
but well, the, I, 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 the, I started going through it and just like, like the second or third time I listened to it, just skip through it just to kind of get like, can I pick up? Cause on YouTube, it wasn't broken into tracks either, which kind of made it difficult to even, right. even more difficult. So I just started skipping through to try to see like, can my brain process this and hear the differences? And when I did that, I definitely could hear like, Oh, this beats a little bit different. And Oh, wow. This part, he is just, on fire like i don't even know what's going on like i i didn't know what's going on at the beginning i really don't even know what's going on right now because the drums are just ridiculously fast is this an album have you ever um played this album for someone josh who uh maybe was not prepared for it and gotten a reaction I have not gotten to do that yet. Okay. So we're the first, actually. (laughs) I think you have gotten to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think that, I think the impression and, you know, doing this for 10 plus years now is that um, I'm a lot more tolerant of things I don't know. And I take the Eric Peterson approach sometimes where like, I can't, I don't, it's not for me. Um, even though we do still have to rate things here. Um, but I find it is interesting to figure out where it's coming from as what it is. And so, and, and sort of, and try to understand the world that it exists in. Um, and this was only released on CD, right? This was not pressed to vinyl. Yeah. And then on that note, since you brought up the release, another point worth mentioning, um, this is by far their most famous release overall, yes. I would say. And that's because really, I think it was about the only one to actually get a proper release on a U.S. label. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff, I mean, I, I was joking, but they do, do, they have done like seven inches and, and, um, and vinyl releases in the in uh, Japan, um, which is more than I can say about my band. Um, <laughs> Jay, we missed out uh, on that. Just letting you know. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I don't feel like I can prop. I don't like. How do you, you how do you rate this a worthy album or a better EP or a decent sing? I mean, that, I mean that's not even. It yeah. blows up that entire rating system which was yep. apparently your goal <laughs> exactly that's one of the you main a- reasons i thought of this to do <laughs> you're the yes. hans gruber of uh, of patrons you're here we to this- just blow it up <laughs> we thought we had this clever little rubric that we're using and then you just come in with your sledgehammer and blow it up <laughs> i appreciate oh, yeah. the compliment sir <laughs> <laughs> Here's you know what actually you know what the other thing is reminding me of um, was uh, do you know the movie Children of Men? Mm-hmm. Um, so in there, they have it takes place in the future. Although I think that future is not far from where we are right now. Um, I want to say it takes place in like 2023 or something like that. Um, but uh, there is a they they have like a futuristic music in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just the sound of people like screaming 
over mm. really loud techno industrial um, distorted music. And it made me think, wow, they kind of got it right. Like, <laughs> except this came out in 1990. Except they got it in 19. Yeah, well, it came out in 1990. Well, this is a slightly less refined. This is like the precursor to that. Yeah. In, in some respects. So anyway, uh, honestly, we should have done this as our last podcast ever. Because you would have, we blown, we would have blown up the system, and then just walked away, and like there would just been the dig me out logo on fire, like crumbling to the ground as this played. And we can also say like this is the logical conclusion of rock and roll. Like you can't go anywhere beyond this. This is we know what the end is. It sounds like this. There's two ends. There's this, and then there's John Cage. four minutes and 13 seconds of silence or, or is it Philip glass? I forgot who did that. It's Philip glass. So on one end you have absolute cacophony of noise that you cannot discern anything. And then the other thing you have complete silence. And those are probably the two ends of the spectrum that would define anything that is possible. Is anything it's all in there. It's like black and white, right, Jay? As a color aware person. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> black is the ab- absence of lights. So it's never like color, but okay. See exactly. I need you to correct me <laughs> on that. So, what are the circumstances? Like, when do you put this on? Um, for me, it's um. Like the like the gym when I can go back to the gym eventually, fingers crossed. Or uh, um, sometimes I'm like if I'm stuck in a really long kind of boring drive, I just I get the itch for this. Oh, this would make total sense when you're. It's like three a.m. You've been driving for eight hours. Yep. <laughs> You've already had a cup of coffee. It's wearing out. And you're like, punch, you're, I'm, I would be punching myself in the leg trying to stay awake. You put this on, you are not falling asleep. <laughs> that makes, I totally get that now. This is a driving record. You don't even have to turn it up loud. You just, just have it on. <laughs> it's already no. loud. That makes, I totally get that now. The gym would be a little bit tougher. Um, I would, I would, the volume... You'd break mm. all the you'd break all the equipment. <laughs> yeah, let's be throwing dumbbells around. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the the poll here now. Here's the thing, um, Gary Moran did vote for Worthy Album, so this got I five Gary. Seventeen percent <laughs> of our voters went Worthy Album. There were nobody who voted for better EP. 83% said decent single. I'd like to know which track of 75 <laughs> they voted for. Whether it was I'm Not in Love by 10CC uh, or perhaps Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. Um, yeah, I don't know how to. I mean, I don't. I can't rate this. I don't know how to do it. Um. 
it exists and I acknowledge that it exists, but it, I, is it an album? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what Jay, what do you think? I don't, I'm, I want to know if they actually pay royalties to uh, 10CC and who else was it? The Smiths and whoever else they covered? The 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 Cure, the Rolling Stones, the Doors. The Ramones, they actually give the a doors. cut of this record to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Are they sure paying they mechanicals on this? Right. I mean, huh. all the publishing. I mean, it lists it. I gotta look at that because I yeah I assure, I assure I assure you uh, that was not a factor here knowing Jintaro. <laughs> like uh, Richards and uh, Jagger are making some money off of this. I highly doubt. It. I mean, if you go to if you go to Discogs, they list the tracks composed by, and then list like the Stones, the Cure, the Ramones. So. Here's the problem, though. If you, depending on how this was, you said this was released in the United States. Yes. Um, they might but have this one. To. Maybe they did actually kind of think of it. That's that not normally like Juntara, but maybe there's one for sale right now for ninety four dollars. Sounds about right. It's um, never been sold on Discogs. That's crazy. How do you... Uh... Yeah, most of this stuff is like super expensive and rare. If you want to get a copy of the Senzuri Champion vinyl from 1987, $421. It's gone for over $1,000. Senzuri is a Japanese word for male masturbation, just FYI. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Par for the course with this band. Yeah. Um, their, re- <laughs> their last album in 2020 was called Piss Shower Girlfriend. <laughs> of course. Of course. On vinyl. Was. Um Tracks include a cover of Throbbing Gristle's Discipline. Um, this is <laughs> the title of the tracks are Anal Destroyer, Piss in Public Bath, Piss Shower Telephone, Piss Shower Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my. Sea of Piss, New Bastard, Piss Shower Telephone Number Five, Piss Purple Drank, TV Bastard. Okay, he's got a good sense of humor. That is, <laughs> that is funny. I mean, that is legitimately goddamn funny that he um, referenced a Neil, Di- uh, yeah, Neil Diamond song. <laughs> Like I said, okay, there are layers to this man. There are there are many layers. I'm just gonna say thanks, Josh, for <laughs> opening up a whole new world that we you've done this before, and my God, you have done it again. 
You know, I think my favorite part of this album was the review. <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> and the fade out at the end. I am going to try to make sure that this episode is the exact length of the album mm. and fades out just as that does. You have to insert some one, two, three, fours every 41.36 seconds. One, two, three, four. Okay, I'll do that. Um, Josh, I am both delighted and terrified of what you're going to bring to us next time. I, I can't even fathom what direction we're going to go. You have deconstructed music down to its skeletal base. Um, now we got to put the meat, meat back on it. Now we got to put the meat back on next, next year. You're going to suggest like Motley Cruz uh, generation <laughs> swine or, uh, <laughs> you're like, Hey guys, I just want to do some better than Ezra. <laughs> I lived through that shit. Exactly. Exactly. But, but no, this was, um, you never know. This was, I mean, I, I don't, under, I don't know that I'll ever listen to it again. But I'm glad it's a part of our catalog in terms of what we've because now somebody is going to Google this or go to our website and listen to this episode and they're going to go, well, now I need to check that out. What is that all about? You know, I I actually found your podcast in the first place by Googling uh, Life, Sex and Death to see who else talked about that album, because I love I love that album as well. And your podcast is one of the ones that popped up that actually reviewed that. So that's what led me to discover you guys. We we. We are fans of that record as well. Uh, and I, oh, and yeah. I bet Stanley enjoys spinning this this record as well every now and then. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> um, I'm going to do some uh, housekeeping here and say if uh, you would like to, to if you would like to suggest an album uh, for us to check out in a poll, we do a poll every month, nine records voted on at our patreon community you can go to suggest an album at digmeoutpodcast.com drop the album's name in there a little bit of uh reasoning why you're picking it and it'll go into our massive spreadsheet of records that will spit out um nine new ones every month it's also where you go to sign up for the box newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every week uh on the weekend we send out a uh, what we what we've been up to, what we're what we're doing, new records that have come out that we've checked out, one minute reviews of uh, '80s and '90s relevant music, and um, also we keep track of what's going on with the calendar of new releases of music and and movies and and books, and uh, it's all available not only through the box newsletter, but if you sign up at Patreon. You get it uh, there as well, and it's a place where you can go to support the podcast for as little as two bucks a month. Uh, just one uh, cup of coffee less per month from your Starbucks drive through and uh, you can help us keep the podcast uh, in the uh, in the financial black, uh, making sure that we pay all our bills on time. And lastly, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple podcasts so for jay i'm tim we're out and we'll be back 
next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thank <laughs> you.